Hey yo, let's yo, let's do this though. Let's do this. I gotta get into I gotta get some energy though. Hold up, bro. Huh? Hey yo, like for real. Like you'd be proud of me today. I got up at like nine. I went to the gym. Look at you, Adam Cook, getting this, his life together. No, this weekend I had no plans and I like made all these plans spontaneously and just like had a great freaking time. I was so proud of myself. Did you uh, realize we're recording right now, right? We are recording. Yeah. I, we've probably Welcome, everybody, back to the guys you grab podcast. I want to hear Hell's Ruben. Now, wait, wait, wait. We got to start. We got to start again. We need to pause so that I can cut it. So go ahead and do it again. <laughs> Sorry. I think it's kind of funny that we go right into it. All right, that's fine. I can chop all this stuff out. <laughs> We're glad to be back talking and entertaining you all. Last week, we talked about dating apps. We got some feedback. We want to share that feedback. We want to make you all feel part of the conversation. So one of the points we talked about last week was about how we think women receive way more messages than men on dating apps. However, one of our friends, Melissa from Wilmington, mentioned how in her experience, she thinks women don't get as many messages as men think. And so it was a good little reminder that, you know, obviously in every case it's different. It's hard to speak in sort of uh, general terms without analyzing official statistics, which are, there are a lot for dating apps, which are very fascinating. And I think if you are in the dating world, definitely look at those because they can be a little bit encouraging to understand how uh, what everyone's experience is like overall. And then the other point was about how she it's easy for a woman to get harassed for not giving out her number. Right. Yes, this is something that I heard too. Um, that, and I understand this, that women do not owe anything to a man as far as like, you know, like an explanation of why they're not talking to him. That makes sense because there are a lot of terrible guys out there. <laughs> and there are a lot of guys that are harassing women over one little thing like, you know, one of my friends just posted up the other day and she posted like a screenshot of a guy who reached out, said, hey, how's it going, beautiful? And she responded. She was like, I'm not going to talk to you because you're engaged. And he said, well, F off, you you dumb B word. And I was like, oh, my goodness, <laughs> this is insane that people have to deal with this. So I totally understand why a lot of women choose the option of ghosting. Absolutely. So that was the second topic. And what we're going to do is we're going to do a little bit of a recap from last week, and then we'll go into our main new topic, and then um, we'll recap the the topic we talked about today. So the other thing, a piece of feedback we got from last week about dating apps was about how the feedback was to encourage us to be a little bit more empathetic to people who do ghost others, because oftentimes people ghost each other because out of discomfort or feeling like they will receive some negative feedback or some very aggressive feedback if they go to the person, approach them and say, hey, I don't feel like things are working out. I just want to be friends. So it's a way of protecting yourself from uh, negative feedback. Ruben, I think that was the main. Point. Right, right. And like and I guess from like a personal standpoint, while I understand all of these things, it doesn't make it any easier to deal with you know what i mean right male or female because just as many females have gotten ghosted by guys when they're like i don't right. i didn't have an explanation i don't know why to kind of hurt my feelings right so we're just trying to be empathetic with men and with women who get ghosted anyone guys right? we love you that's it we just we just care about <laughs> you and we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings here we just want to have these open conversations and discussions and we're still looking we're still looking for people to join the show so um and we have had many good conversations with women and we're sort of in the works of planning some of those sessions out so they are coming yes yeah, so please keep listening stay tuned
We are pivoting, Adam. What, Adam, what are we going to be talking about? Today? We're going to talk about work. Not as much relationships and romance and that kind of stuff. We're going to talk about work, career, and passion. Yes, what an interesting topic. And you and I are two very good people to talk to about this subject. Well, we have different we have different views, right? So, well, we have different um, sort of perspectives. So you work in um, an industry that you are passionate about. Your gifts line up with your day job. So what you're talented at doing, what you've developed skill in doing, and what you like doing, you use in your day job. Um, right. me, me, on the other hand, um, I got a degree in college that I thought would allow me to have um, a, a good job and a good income, but it's not necessarily something I'm passionate about, and I don't think it lines up with my natural gifts, which are, are much more creative and artistic. I work in IT and on the business side. Yeah, you're an entertainer at heart. Um, I think anyone who knows you would say the same thing. And for first-time listeners or people who may not know us personally, I am a chef. I cook for a living. Um, if you follow me on my personal Instagram, currykiller00, you will see pictures of food that I have plated up. Um, and it is just what I love to do. And I am blessed and lucky to be in an industry and to be in a career that I am actually passionate about what I'm doing to an extent. And we'll get to that a little bit later, obviously. Adam, tell the people what you do and how that kind of coincides with what you're passionate about. Sure. I went to uh, University of Delaware for management information systems, which is a lot of business classes, some IT classes. So I've worked in everything from um, help desk to su- help desk support to quality assurance to product management, uh, technical writing, and now um, I'm in sort of a, a, a niche job that um, works with Microsoft on the operations side at a software company. So um, definitely run the run the gamut of different things. But I feel like confidence is a big thing where I've never felt super confident with the work that I've done because I don't feel like it aligns with my natural gifts, which are you know, playing, performing, creating original content, being creative and um, artistic and musical and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I could have gotten a job as a uh, full-time music leader at a church. I worked at that very part-time, and that is something that I was naturally gifted at doing. Um, but it just doesn't pay very much money. And, and you know, um, anyone who does do that job, it's, it's, it's very um, uh, commendable. Uh, but it just was not something for me. I wanted to have a day job where I felt comfortable with the income and then be able to use that to fund the things I wanted to do on the side. So that's a little bit about me. Nice. It's just so interesting, this topic, because I feel like it plagues, especially from the millennial generation on. I think a lot of people struggle with whether work should be a passion or should work be something purely for monetary gain. Right. And why is that? Because we live in a society now, if we're talking about America or one of the Western developed uh, economies and nations, people from certain backgrounds, depending on how affluent your, your family was, have options. So you have kids growing up who have options to take a year off college and travel around the country and experiment with different jobs, not having to worry about putting food on the table. So I think, do you think that's true, Ruben, that at least overall, at least a lot of people coming from middle middle class backgrounds have more options to even explore a job that they're passionate about, as opposed to growing up in a you know community in West Virginia where you just take a job at the coal mine because that's what everybody does and you have no other options. Absolutely. I mean, you know, as an immigrant, 
I came here and, you know, a lot of Indian families kind of almost forced their their kids into going into like a medical field. And I had kind of the opposite where my my parents were really supportive with my career decisions. I mean, I've been cooking since I was 15. I went to a Votech high school. I had this is all I know. Um, obviously, as I've gotten older, I've kind of coming to my own as far as passions. I've gotten more passions, you know, um, you've kind of been there firsthand to kind of see that as far as like the entertainment aspect goes. But like, I do feel like depending on where you're at, it does kind of force your hand, so to speak. Can I ask a question? What at what point? I think a lot of people when they're younger struggle with when they're in high school, college, they, they still don't know what they want to do, right? They don't know how to align their gifts and their passions with, with work, income. But since you were cooking from a young age, at what point did you know, oh, I want to be a chef? Like, I want to, I, that's going to be the traje- trajectory of my life. <laughs> it's such a good question. Um, so I think like as even in like middle school, I always felt like I was kind of a creative mind. Like I always was drawing or doodling but i was never really good at it um and i really didn't know what i wanted to do i mean who in middle school really knows what they want to do i mean when i was when i was in first grade i wanted to be a police officer you know like obviously i'm not that now but i kind of knew that i wanted to cook it all kind of started when i started watching the original iron chef and the original iron chef you guys have never seen it is a concept where the three Japanese chefs on the show were from different backgrounds. It was Chinese, Japanese, and French. And they would have to make this elaborate meal with one mystery ingredient being the star in each of those ingredients in, in each of those dishes. And I was amazed. And from that point on, it just kicked it off. I was like, oh my gosh, I want to cook, I want to cook, I want to cook. And honestly, I've worked in all different types of backgrounds. I've been in bars. I've been in gastro pubs. I've been in hotels. I've, you know, I've done the fine dining thing. And, you know, now I'm kind of in more of a corporate structure. And I think, honestly, I knew that I was doing what I love to do maybe five years ago. I realized, like, this is what I was meant to do. I love how the things we do when we're younger, like, especially in the teenage years, sometimes... Uh, give a a picture about what we might be doing in the future, like with you cooking or doing some creative things. And I was always with my older brothers, um, tinkering with um, electronics, doing prank calls, making little crappy recordings on like whatever, you know, tape cassettes we had, or even some basic software programs we had like Vegas and um, uh, some other ones that like uh, Soundforge was another one I remember, and like all that stuff I didn't realize at the time, but my parents were always very supportive because I think they always knew like we don't know how this recording and all this kind of stuff is going to play into something later on in 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 his life, and so having establishing confidence very early on with playing with recording equipment and mixers and software and all that stuff ended up being very useful even in my job in church and even now like editing podcasts and doing all that kind of stuff, so. It didn't ever become a full-time career, but the things I did when I was young definitely helped to develop my interests later on and passion. So I just thought kind of the same thing for you when you shared that story. So We're also very lucky to have kind of known that and to kind of realize that. Yeah. Um, a lot of people aren't. You know, there are a lot of people, again, I think I said it last week, where millennials are part of that that kind of group that 
adulthood doesn't really start until age 30. <laughs> um, right. You know, whereas like in the past, you know, everyone, you were always kind of told growing up, at least I was, Adam, that, uh, you know, if you love what you do for work, you never work a day in your life. Oh, yeah. What a cliche. Oh, my gosh. And I think that is very toxic. I think that's terrible. I don't I think it is so much pressure to find something that you're passionate about for work. Yes. When rather. Right. And I think like, you know, and I and I shared this before we started recording. I worked with a chef who he said to me uh, as he was on his way out and he went back to school, he said, Ruben, he's like, I realized that. I don't need to love what I do for work, but I need to work to do what I love. And man, so profound. Wow. Yeah. And that stuck with me. And even to now, you know, people, when I went back to the job I'm at now, it's a very corporate job. People are like, man, we were really surprised to see you come back because it looked like you were having so much fun. It looked like you were in your element. And I was like, I understand. I was like, and I'm going to miss it. I was like, but I wanted to come back because I want to be able to do that stuff on my own terms. And this job is going to provide me with the stability, with the hours, with the money and the time to be able to do that on my own. What was cool is you were able to, you found a job where you could strike a balance. And I think that's the biggest thing. We all know people have jobs that they hate or feel so bad at that they just you know despise going to work every day and other people who are super passionate about their jobs like you for instance you're working at the restaurant and i think a lot of us we need to find something in the middle a job that uh, a job in the middle where you can find something that you like going to every day maybe you feel adequate at in terms of your skill and your confidence and all that kind of stuff but you know you still have the time to do the things you want on the side right this past year as crappy as it was for a lot of people and it's, and you know and even me um it taught me a lot of things where i didn't know what to do anymore because i always thought that i was always going to have a job you know i always felt like oh cooking is one of those things where i'm, I'm always going to be able to have a job and all of a sudden it was ripped away from me and this year taught me that i was able to use my skill and my talent and my passion in other avenues, such as I have a, a YouTube channel, you know, Penne for your thoughts. I started another podcast over the summer, just kind of dipping my toe into the podcast world. And it taught me that I can use what I'm passionate about in other ways, which I feel like I'm very blessed for. And so I don't think a lot of people really take the time to explore these different avenues. Absolutely. Uh, there was another story from my therapist um, when we were talking about working career. Uh, I shared with him for a time a couple years ago when I was pretty dissatisfied in my work, my day job. I think I was doing um, production support at the time. So when there was problems with our company software, companies would call me up and I'd have to like troubleshoot the software. I barely understood how it worked. I always felt so insecure and so stressed because I didn't understand what I was doing really. And and we talked about careers with my therapist, and I, I love the stories he would share about the other people he counseled. Some were very high-profile lawyers and doctors, very successful, wealthy people. And he said, you know, he's like, I talk to people all the time who are really, really good at what they do, and they make a lot of money doing it. 
and they're very dissatisfied. Uh, some he mentioned one lawyer in particular who was very high profile in the area. Who he just said the guy just really just wants to create art all the time and wants to paint and do other things like that. But he's just a really really good lawyer. Happens to be that way. And I think it's really interesting how our our gifts don't always align with our interests and our passions. Sometimes we have to use our gifts to make money because we, we have a gift that allows us to make money. Um, but we really want to spend our time doing something else. For me, I'm kind of the opposite where I feel like my gifts align with something that typically doesn't earn a lot of money. And I know people who work full time in sort of the artistic, creative or music industry. And I really admire that. It's just something I don't feel like I could do. Or maybe I'm not passionate enough about that to have that be my sole focus. Right. I mean, gosh, it's so interesting, right? Like, I know people and like, the food industry is so interesting where it's one of those industries that I, I wish I could find like the actual percentage, but I would almost argue that at least 60% of the country has done some sort of food service job in their lifetime, whether it's serving, busing, food running, you know, no matter what you're doing now, at some point in your life, I feel like you have done some sort of food service. I think Daniel Tosh once like in one of his stand-ups said, everybody should work at least one year in food service right. he's like because then you'll realize that your side of ranch doesn't mean that much and of course he used some other vulgar words which you won't use on this podcast <laughs> but uh it, it's so true right because like it's one of those industries where like a lot of people do and like there's only certain amount of people that use it as their passion i know right. plenty of line cooks i've had plenty of line cooks or known plenty of cooks who do it because it's all they know and they don't necessarily love it, but like they can't do anything else. It And it's also such a forgiving industry. Sorry, Adam. No, but it's also just such a forgiving industry. Um, I can't tell you how forgiving this industry is because like I've seen people be late for their job multiple times. I've seen people walk out on their shifts and still have their job or be able to come back to the same job. Mm. It is such a lawless wasteland. <laughs> right. It feels like it's that. crazy. And especially when you talk about the personalities and the characters uh, of, of some of the people who work <laughs> in the kitchens. It's yeah, I'm so shocked. Pretty wild. That there, that there hasn't been a popular TV show about it. So shocked. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people talk about it. That's why I think it's so important if, you know, people have the opportunity to work in, you know, a lower level, lower levels uh, service job if possible um and i was actually ruben i got a job a summer job because my dad was a principal in the public school district i got a job as a custodian which was actually pretty lucky because it paid pretty well for um like like summer work and it really gave me an appreciation for um for you know you know manual labor because i again i did grow up very privileged my parents were both educators i didn't really have to uh work when I was young, I just had to focus on school and all that. So having the summer job where I was doing manual labor gave me a great appreciation for, you know, people who do that full time. So now, you know, my job is pretty cushy. I work on a computer from home. I mean, it's, I'm very, very, very lucky, but grateful that I had that experience. And so that's why I always empathize with you, Ruben. Like when you come home and you say, I'm exhausted. I'm like, I can't imagine you've been on your feet all day. I did that for a summer and like, I don't know how I lasted. So <laughs> like, I really admire it. Right. I mean, it's it's crazy. I mean, it's not surprising after you work in the food service industry why the drug use and alcohol abuse is so high and rampant. Um, 
it is one of those jobs that you almost have to love it to deal with it. I mean, you think about culinary schools and how expensive they are. I mean, I mean, they're, I mean, if you want to go to a culinary Institute of America or Johnson and Wales, I mean, it's going to cost you at least $40,000 a year minimum. Uh, and then you're going to graduate and your return on investment is not very good. <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, most starting line cook positions start at maybe if you're lucky $12 an hour maybe wow man and a lot of these these like higher level positions such as sous chefs or like lead line cooks or kitchen manager they require experience you know like yeah. i i i can't tell you the amount of people that i have worked with from culinary school who went to one of these big schools that just couldn't hack it in a restaurant and some of the best chefs that I know didn't even really go to culinary school. Yeah. That is, and that's, that brings in a whole other topic about, you know, education and, um, and return on investment with your career because yeah. people spend so And I, I feel like more recent generations have had to think about that a lot more before just automatically going to college. They have to stop and ask that question. Am I willing to take out 40, 50, 60, 70, hundred thousand dollars worth of debt to go to school to then have to pay that back for the next 15, 20 years? Like, is that really worth it? Is there, is there some other option? Um, and there are some other options nowadays, which is, which is great, but uh, it's still a very difficult decision. Yeah. I, it's crazy. Cause like I, there's an article I have right here from uh, Forbes magazine and it says uh, quote unquote, following your passion is dead. <laughs> I love that. That's the name of the article. And it says, here's what to replace it with and it pretty much just says don't follow your passion but develop it which i think is so great i think it's such great advice i think don't necessarily look for what your passion is figure out what your passion is like if you need to work a nine to five job sitting in front of a computer use that time that you have to find out what your passion is you could find out that you're a really great baker there's so many Baker's like a perfect example. Binging with Babish. Binging with Babish was somebody who never worked in a kitchen. Uh, and he has this whole line now. He has this whole career now where he he pretty much just cooks food from shows. So if you guys haven't seen it, if you go on YouTube, look up Binging with Babish. It's this guy named Andrew, and he just cooks food from tv shows that's how he started um and he it was a very simple operation and now it's launched in, into this whole career i mean it's it, it's crazy it is really cool that launches into that other topic that idea of entrepreneurship and how i think that's great like that story about being able to follow your passions without the the, the conventional path of going to school and getting a job, like you can, you know, start making YouTube videos or create a line of products on your own and all that kind of stuff. You're, we have a lot more tools to develop like your own business and promote yourself a lot more these days. But it goes into that avenue of, of a, uh, a, a related topic of how much our society glorifies entrepreneurship and like being your own boss and starting your own business and doing that sort of thing as if everyone should do that instead of working your nine to five because, Oh, that's so unfulfilling. That's the grind. Nobody wants to do that. You know, do something on your own or whatever. And that's great. That's great for people who do that. That's awesome. And we're sort of doing that. This is very entrepreneurial to start a podcast or to, 
you know, uh, create content on our own. Absolutely. Right. We have that entrepreneurial spirit, but I think it uh, is glamorized and glorified in a way that isn't very realistic because not everyone can be a CEO. Not everyone can develop their own line of products or even should do that. You know, we, the society, society needs people who are good followers and workers. Uh, and right. that's what our society is built on, you know? And then on the flip side of that, I mean, talking about binging with Babish, I mean, sure. think about how many people wanted to become YouTube stars. <laughs> how many people yeah. started video blogs? How many people started these cooking channels? I mean, I started a YouTube yeah, channel. Yeah, the mean, market, you know? Right. I mean, now it's TikTok. You know what I mean? We have all these people who are doing these dumb dances and stuff on TikTok. And, you know, trying to get TikTok famous. <laughs> It, it, there's so many different things happening now um, that people are trying these different avenues, which is great. But it also kind of goes into a point that we kind of talked about before we started recording. Uh, talk about that quote about, uh, you know, being lucky. Yeah. So um, if you follow uh, comedian Kevin Hart or Dwayne The Rock Johnson on Instagram, as I do, uh, great motivational uh, characters and I love following them. And a lot of what they talk about is hard work. You know, keep working, things don't work out, work harder. That sort of uh, meme that we see across the internet of um, just continue to work harder. If you don't get what you want, work harder. And then I heard another comedian talk about that and sort of reflect on Kevin Hart's sort of perspective, which he admired very much. And, and I admire Kevin Hart very much as well. Um, but he was basically saying, well, you know, yeah, hard work is part of it, but it's also a lot of luck. You know, it's also about having the right opportunities at the right time and taking the right opportunities at the right time, because a lot of people work really, really hard in their lives and don't make it very far. I think we all have no people who work two, three jobs and just don't make it very far because they've got a family to feed or this or that, whatever the circumstances are. So um, purely working harder is not necessarily what I think it's all about. Is that kind of to your point? Right. I mean, yeah, I mean, and you brought up The Rock, who's a great example of that. I mean, he grew up in a wrestling family. I mean, he was given that chance from a very early age. I mean, obviously, genetics played a lot into it. The guy was 15 and looked like a 30-year-old. You know, he had a mustache right. and everything. That's luck. He didn't and, work for that. You know, he built but, on top of that. But yeah, he used his platform as a WWE superstar and use that to help him get these other opportunities he used that to you know he i don't think anyone would have thought from his first role in the scorpion king that he would become the the movie star and the box office draw that he is now. the highest paid actor i think i think he was right the highest paid i mean he did the Tooth Fairy movie. <laughs> yeah, 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 I mean, I thought his career was done after that movie. Right. And he worked his butt off and is killing it. Sure. And it, and it just goes to show, like, I don't think he ever thought acting was going to be in the cards for him. I think he thought probably that being a WWE superstar was all that he had. And then he got these opportunities and he, and he capitalized on it. And I think that goes to show that Sometimes, as much as it sucks, and we're living in a age of instant gratification, sometimes you have to be patient. That's very true. But I also think that level of success is something we can use as a motivator, but we obviously don't need to aspire to that because that's, that's a position that very few people end up occupying. It's much more about, as we've talked about, fulfillment. 
And I think the the most wealthy, successful people can talk about how their wealth and success, some people it's great, but it's not always fulfilling. And we can find fulfillment in the simple things of life. And it could be working a nine to five, coming home to a, your family or going home and you know creating art and hanging out with your friends. And I think we have to promote the idea that that's okay. Right. I mean, as we kind of get to the end of the show here, I think a great example of this, and we kind of touched on it in the first episode, Adam, was that movie Soul. Uh, and, you know, we don't want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it, but if you guys watch that movie, it very much ties into what we're talking about today, where, you know, trying to find out what your passion is and find out what is actually meaningful in life. At the end of the day, what are you going to try to learn to appreciate? Absolutely. Appreciating the small things. And um, if that's your current job or looking for a new job or appreciating the passions and the hobbies and the interests you have on the side or spending time with friends and networking, you know, to, to find contentment in the, in the small things. Right. I mean, Adam, I, I, I think you and I both know people who are so immensely talented and have the talent there, but they are just not willing to be patient and grind it out for a little bit, which I think goes to that point of grinding and working hard. Like, obviously, luck plays a lot into it, but there is something to be said for working hard for what you want um, and grinding it out. Like, I spent I've spent 12 years working in different restaurants, working for other people and just grinding it out, doing jobs that I didn't like, but it got me to the point where I am now. And I'm really thankful for that. Right. And I think the other point is that no matter what level of success you achieve in your career, work is still work. And there's an element of it that will always be just work. And um, it, I had this story written down from Charlie Day, the actor in Always Sunny in Philadelphia, actor in other movies. And I listened to an interview with him one time and they talked about his career and, you know, satisfaction and what he's doing now and all that. He's like, yeah, I mean, I have like the best career ever. Like I get to I get paid really well to like make cool content and all that kind of stuff. But he's like, there are still aspects of this career that I don't like. And he said, it's doing these interviews. He's like, this, These interviews are work. I have to travel around constantly talking to people about the same points over and over and over again. He's like, it's not really what I want to be doing but it's part of the job. I love what I do, but this is just a job. It's still a job. It's still a job. And I think that's a great point that even The Rock, I'm sure The Rock still has things that he doesn't like to do, but it's part of the job. Absolutely. And I'd love to hear the feedback too, because um, you know, I think we're talking a lot about flexibility of finding your passion. And I'm sure a lot of people feel very locked into the jobs that they do now. They feel like they don't have many choices. And I think that's something we have to be sympathetic to um, that, you know, people may feel like they're really good at one thing. And if that job ends, they don't know what else they, they would do. Uh, so I think we have to be sympathetic to others too, that, you know, work is also something that's very fragile. Jobs are very fragile and uh, we're all vulnerable to, to unemployment. And I think, you know, Ruben, you're a testament to that too, but there's always something else to come along too. Fortunately, we live in a society where there's a lot of flexibility and if you have a good education and a good family and all that kind of stuff, you can, you can find something. So, um, me, especially as a white male, like I wanted to speak from my position of privilege. Like I want to be extra sympathetic to those that I know who are, you know, maybe from poor communities or from poor families that have a lot more difficulty finding good paying jobs. And I think it's really our responsibility to help and assist as much as possible. So, right. I mean, I can also totally 
say that I am I am so privileged. Uh, I I have grown up with a family that has always been supportive of my career and my endeavors. Um, I actually always used to make the joke about my brother. I would be like, "Oh, my brother's a smart brother." Uh, so my brother always. So my brother is so funny because like he's always had an A ever since we came to America, right? Like this was always his thing. Oh, so an A, like a, a grades. Oh, dude, if he got an A minus on a test, he would go to the teacher and dispute the A minus. Oh, so jealous, dude! I was so bad in school. Oh my god! I gosh. mean, so committed to getting that A and just being so in- and he's so intelligent. Remember, I used to always tell people, oh, he's a smart brother, he's a smart brother, he's a smart brother. One of my favorite moments in my entire freaking life, uh, I was working at a bar, uh, and my brother and my nephews and my sister-in-law came to visit me. And uh, I told my uh, told my manager, I'm like, hey, this is the brother I always tell you about. He's a smart brother. And I'll never forget it. My brother put his arm around me kind of like grabbed my shoulder a little bit. And he said, yeah, he's like, but this is the hardworking brother. <laughs> and I have always just been blessed to have that support around me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I may not be making the most money, but I'm still doing what I love and I'm still working my butt off to make sure that I can do the best job that I can. All right. To recap here before we wrap up, we talked about the origins of our career, Ruben and I, how we started out. We also talked about finding the balance between work and passion. Fulfillment can be found in a day job, but it's okay to pursue your passions on the side. Hard work has its benefits, but luck also plays a major role. And our main wrap-up point is you don't have to do what you love for work, but you have to work to do what you love. Guys, follow us on the Instagram page. We're doing some fun stuff on there. We're doing some silly things on Instagram. We are guys who cry official. Once again, that's guys who cry official on Instagram. Check us out. It is the easiest way to reach us too. If you have any feedback, uh, we love hearing what you have to say. We love, love, love it. And that's it, Adam. Awesome. Yeah, the more the more conflict we can bring up and stir up and the more messages we can get from you about this divisive topics and with you guys disagreeing, uh, the more content we have for the show. So it's great. Everyone, thank right. you for tuning in. Come back next week and be... 